Hi everybody, welcome to the Wild Womb Podcast. This is episode one. Um, this episode is featuring Danny, my doula partner. She's another Brooklyn-based doula. She's also a yoga teacher, healer. She's amazing. Um, she's my biggest support through the doula process, I guess. Um, the cool thing about how we work is that we work in a partnership with this agency called For Your Birth um, that we've both been working with for a few years now. They've been definitely the biggest uh, way for us to have gotten our feet wet in the doula industry in New York City for sure. Um, It was founded by two women, Michelle and Naima, who we do mention through the episode. They're definitely mentors to us. So thankful to know them and to have gotten the opportunity to work with For Your Birth. And it's really the reason I'm still doing this because they help us get clients and have really taught us how to navigate this whole system. And they're amazing. And uh, we'll talk a lot more about it throughout the episode. Danny and I get to talk about doula self-care and birth injustices and the kinds of clients that we try to manifest and who we like to work with and all the ups and downs of this work. Um, I think this is a really cool episode. It'll give you a little bit more of a basis behind the work that I do and we do, and hopefully you enjoy it. Also, excuse the low quality. Um, (laughs) I'm totally brand new to this. I'm not a tech person. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing this for my phone right now, so just uh, take some patience. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it will just be what it is, and I'm just happy to be having these conversations and putting them out there. So let me know what you think, and enjoy the episode. Bye. You're recording. (laughs) Okay, so... Danny, um, yeah, if you just want to tell me about why you're a doula, yeah. to start, we'll just go, so you're a doula. <laughs> so I'm a doula. Um, so I started out as a yoga instructor, and I've been doing that work since I've been pretty young. Um, I got certified to teach yoga when I was 19, and that was definitely a life calling for me, really great work that I love to do, and I still do, mm-hmm. and then... Um, I started getting a lot of pregnant people coming to my classes and they terrified me because I knew nothing about pregnancy and birth at all and uh, I didn't want them to get hurt in their yoga practice and it was just a point that intimidated me. So I decided to do prenatal yoga training and you know there was different options for yoga training there's some really quick ones that are 20 hours where you basically just learn the modifications do this don't do this can you teach after that yeah yeah you could teach I mean you would have to be a fully certified 200 hour yoga teacher first yeah but then the 20 hour prenatal oh okay yeah. okay I see yeah just for yeah prenatal. yeah yeah um but then there's these more extensive prenatal trainings that are usually 85 or 100 hours Mm -hmm. and I found a few of those and I thought well if I'm going for it I might as well do the the longer one yeah so I found this one that looked pretty um holistic you know um 
the website just resonated with me, her philosophy on teaching. So I signed up and um, it was really amazing. I learned so much in that training. The teacher uh, was a really established yogi, Mm -hmm. uh, really deep in her yoga practice, but she was also kind of secretly a doula. Like she didn't call herself a doula, but she, well, she had three kids, had three natural births, um, and she attends births. Okay, so yeah, she's a doula. So she's basically a doula, um, and she teaches childbirth ed, so she really... um, That's so cool. Yeah, she was, she's an amazing person. I really like her work a lot and her philosophy and her approach. She's very humble about it, Mm -hmm. um, but... From her, it's where I really learned what a doula was, and I also learned about a lot of the injustices that happen in our country surrounding birth and women, and I guess it's like this Sagittarius fire in me. I'm always really into um, justice and the right thing, and so I think I was really shocked when I learned about um, the birth culture. Yeah. In our state and also in our whole country. And it's kind of pathetic um, compared to the rest of the world. And there's so much room for improvement. Did you know anything about it before that? Nothing. Yeah. I didn't even know my own birth story. Really? Um, I knew my time of birth. (laughs) I knew where I was born. That's like more than some people do. Yeah. Like knowing your time of birth. (laughs) And I also knew my labor, my mom's labor with me was short. I knew it was four hours. She has told me that, but she never told me the details of it. I never knew anything about my older sister's birth. And so I came out of that yoga training and calling my mom like, hey, what was my birth like? Yeah. And what was my sister's birth like? Um, really curious about it and really curious about other people's birth stories too because it's not something that is really spoken about. Yeah. Um, so I, I did that training with just all this new information about prenatal yoga, but more importantly about birth and this culture, and it just felt so amazing. And I didn't really have any, you know, further intentions except to maybe start teaching prenatal yoga. But then one of my close friends, who's also a yoga teacher, told me that she was signing up for this birth doula training and just casually asked me if I wanted to go. If she refers someone, she got like $50 off. <laughs> and I was like, That's so funny. Feels like a really cool next step, actually, after yeah. doing this prenatal yoga training, and my so I signed up for that, and then my doula training ended up being with Deborah Pascali Bonaro, who made the documentary Orgasmic Birth. Oh, I totally forgot that you did that. That's so cool. Yeah, I need to look her up. Yeah, she's she's special. She's a really special person, and. That training was just such a game changer for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I learned a lot in the prenatal yoga training, which I did, but Deborah, I feel like, just opened up so much information and passion within me for this work. I didn't know this was inside of me, but yeah. apparently it was. And it was just a really beautiful three days. So her training was three days, and the first day was childbirth ed, and then those next two were doula training Mm -hmm. techniques and teachings and all that. And so... It was Dona, technically? Yeah, it's a Dona training. Okay. Hi, Katie. (laughs) So... So that was amazing. And then shortly after that, 
I had a friend who is also a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. and she was pregnant, and she was planning a home birth, kind of unexpectedly. So she was with a practice, I think at either Lenox Hill or Cornell or something, mm-hmm. and she it was, she was 30-something weeks, and, you know, the doctor said to her at her appointment, like, okay, well, we're going to um, give you this vaccine. And she goes, oh, what? well, what is the vaccine? And honestly, I don't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, okay, well, I just need to go home and do my research on that and, like, talk to my partner about it. And then the doctor was kind of shocked that she said that, like, uh, no, you're really putting your baby in harm if you don't get this. Um, so you have You have to. And she's like, well, I have the right to make an informed decision. I have the right to look look at the pros and cons of that and just know what it is before yeah. it goes in my body. That's also so unusual, though, that somebody felt like they could do that. You know, yeah, exactly. Most women will just, like, consent. Will, like, get into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so she came out of that appointment, and she really, she's like, wow, I really don't like the way that doctor spoke to me or just, you know, didn't want me to do research. And it really shocked her. And so at 30-something weeks, she decided, um, screw this practice. I'm not birthing with them. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And then she had talked to me and she had wanted me to be her doula. And even though, you know, I had never been to a birth before, but she was Mm -hmm. so open to me attending her birth. And then she said, okay, well, (laughs) I don't really know who my provider is going to be though. And I was like, okay. She's like, I might just like, you know, labor at home and then show up at the nearest hospital. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's an option too. I always forget that that's like, that's a thing you can do. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot, I'm sure a lot of people do it. Like so many women don't have providers. Yeah. Even if it's not intentional, but yeah, exactly. So, um, so she did end up finding a provider. She decided to have a home birth and she found a midwifery practice pretty last minute. And so I was super stoked that my first birth was going to be a home birth. And, um, yeah, so I remember being so excited when that happened. Actually, <laughs> I was on a date. Really? I was on a date with some guy, and I'm like, yeah, I just became a doula. Like, I'm really on call right now, so that's why my phone is, like, right in front of me, <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And then and then she called. I'm like, gotta go. That's I'm getting so called this bird. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that's where I was, and um, <laughs> I remember, like, being in the cab, going to her house, so excited, and my friend, actually, who did the doula training with me, she also was the second doula. She let us both come <laughs> to awesome. the room. Yeah. Um, I love that. So, I remember being there, and ultimately, I don't really count that as a birth that I doula'd. Um, we helped her in the beginning, like, you know, we helped her set up the pool. Yeah. But in the end, you know, her partner was there, her mom was there, her four little dogs were there, the midwife, the midwife's <laughs> assistant. And so, at a, you know, and me and my friend were like, you know, we've never been to a birth before. Yeah. So at the end, in the end, like this woman giving birth was like, 
I feel like I'm being watched. Can everyone just, like, get away from me? So me and my friends. And so many people to have. There's a lot of people. And they're, like, <laughs> a one-bedroom Manhattan apartment. Yeah. Um, so in the end, me and my friend were mostly just sitting in the kitchen and, like, listening and, like, keeping her dogs under control and, like, soothing her mom, who was a little nervous. Um, and then we were, I just remember when she gave birth, like, my jaw was on the floor like it was just such an epic experience and um and I was helping her after you know I helped to drain the pool and you know I did some where did you drain it into from an apartment um you connect it to the sink okay yeah the sink or bathtub it's kind of complex yeah the first one I ever did I had to drain the tub and we drained it out the window into the yard (laughs) and then when I was leaving all these like neighborhood cats were coming to these people's house (laughs) it's wild yeah it's so cool but yeah I've always wondered that like what do you do in a in New York you have to buy like a certain device to like drain it back into the sink okay yeah city home birth yeah right city everything (laughs) so I just remember being um you know so high after that experience and then I did a postpartum visit with her and it was just such a beautiful experience that I knew this was my life's calling but I also kind of had it in the back of my mind like well this was my friend who's gonna hire me Mm -hmm. to attend their birth when like I have no experience and so I didn't have high expectations of Mm -hmm. this launching into my career or anything I just knew birth was something I loved I was obsessed with yeah um so I think a few months went by and I didn't attend any births but I was teaching prenatal yoga and like talking about birth all the time and you know just doing my thing and then I remember um there's a Facebook group Metro Doula group which is an amazing resource for doulas and I had joined that at the recommendation of my teacher and I remembered I was on Facebook at like early in the morning like 6 a.m. or something I'd woken up early and someone posted in the group like hey I'm looking for a last minute doula I'm, I'm with another client could anyone please help mm-hmm. and it was 6 a.m. so no one else saw the post yeah so I'm like I'm free and so I reached out to this person and I ended up and she's like yeah that'd be great, great if you could go and it was a Actually, it was an amazing birth to go to as, like, my first real, like, official client doula birth, not just a friend. This was a woman. She was her third baby, and she had had, if I remember correctly, um, a C-section for her first and then a V-back for her second. And this was going to be her third birth, either, you know, hopefully a V-back they were hoping for. And um, so I show up, you know, they didn't know who I was. at all they're like oh you're expecting our doula and like you're just this stranger (laughs) but you know it was totally fine the couple was amazing and I was just helping her through she didn't have an epidural it was unmedicated and she ended up with her v-back that's awesome and you know it was like an average length birth like eight hours or something like that wasn't too short wasn't too long kind of long for a third kind of long for a third they say the thirds are unpredictable yeah I've actually heard that I've I remember going to a third one, and it was like, yeah, her first two had been super short, and so I was like, this baby's just going to fall out, but it was, it was like actually pretty long. It was weird. It's the wild card. Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) So, and this was um, with a really amazing doctor at NYU, this doctor, Dr. Scheinfeld, which um, a lot of doulas refer to him as like a midwife in disguise. He's so chill, laid back. 
um, great guy and he really made me feel comfortable and I remember I had my donor papers because I was working towards my certification so I needed doctors and nurses to um, write off and like you know write a little review of me on the paper Mm -hmm. and he wrote that you know he he was surprised to learn it was only my second birth that I attended because you know I seemed like I knew what I was doing that's awesome. That's such a nice thing to say. Yeah, and it gave me a lot of confidence. And <laughs> welcome back, Julia. And <laughs> made me realize that this was something that is innate and within me. And it, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily come with a hundred births of experience. Right. It's just who you are as a person. Your ability to have sympathy mm-hmm. and support another woman going yeah. through an intense experience. And I feel like, you know, I draw a lot of my experience from my work that I already do being a yoga teacher because when I show up to teach yoga classes, I'm holding space for people to go through transformation Mm -hmm. because, yes, yoga is like exercise and could be a workout, but normally people are having these beautiful, profound experiences in yoga. And I feel like after seven years of teaching, I've like help I've gained that ability to hold space yeah so doula work to me isn't a whole lot different it's like such an extension of that yeah yeah so then after that second birth um which in my head was really my first real birth that I was you know with her the whole time and not just on the sidelines but really part of it um I felt really confident that this is work I'm supposed to be doing and then from then births kind of rolled in and mm-hmm. yeah now I'm doing you know three to five births a month and really so doing great. it a lot yeah. yeah how did um or like so I mean we're doula partners I think that I didn't say that but of like through four-year birth how did you find four-year birth or how did four-year birth find you um I think that was also through that metro doula group me too I just like posted one day and then Naima reached out and was like we need doulas I think I saw that she posted that they are hiring doulas. Yeah. And so I'm the type of person that's, like, very, when I want to be, very Uh proactive. (laughs) I kind of know how to get what I want. I'm, like, assertive and fiery. Yeah. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, I have, like, three births of experience, but whatever. I'm just going to apply and Mm -hmm. show up. I'm always that type of person to, like apply even if I think I'm underqualified yeah and then just try to like just step into it get into yeah it. yeah yeah <laughs> and so um I remember then I met Naima who uh, owns the agency for your birth and I just spoke to her for a while and it kind of reaffirmed for me that being a doula is less about how many births you have under your belt and more about personality yeah and how you connect Mm-hmm. So me and Naima just connected really effortlessly, and she was really excited to bring on a newer doula because there's a lot of people in New York who are looking for newer doulas, especially if that's more in their price range because more experienced doulas tend to charge a pretty hefty price yeah, tag. And for sure. you know, as a newer doula, I was definitely willing to take births at a lower fee to get my feet wet. So that's how I found For Your Birth. Yeah, I thought they were, I mean, they were always so good about that. Like, when I started with them, I'd, I'd probably had a similar amount of births, actually. 
and their whole thing was like really when we would go to we'd go to interviews together I remember going to one with Michelle and it was really weird and felt like we were being like interviewed against each other kind of yeah because she was obviously so much more experienced than me but the whole thing was like refocusing the conversation away from like the tier system of doulas which is so big here and more into like yeah like it doesn't matter how many you've been to because people always ask that how many births have you been to and that was such a weird point for so long yeah yeah I feel like I didn't I couldn't really answer that until I'd been to 20 which is so weird like you see a lot in 20 yeah I don't know actually I've been finding some really interesting things um with interviews as I gain more experience so definitely that's one thing that I feel like the experience is super helpful for yeah like somehow you just display a different level of confidence Mm -hmm. when you finally get that confidence yeah yeah And so the two questions that I rarely get asked now that I used to get asked all the time were that, how many births have you been to? And do you have any children of your own? Yeah, no one asks me that anymore. Only over the phone I'll get asked, like, so how many births have you been to? Like, if I do a phone interview first. But in person, they never ask. Yeah. And they don't care if I've had kids before, which is, that was always something I felt so weird about before. Like, how am I supposed to hold someone's hand through this thing I've never been through? But they don't even, they don't care anymore. It's really cool. I guess it's an energy thing. Yeah, Um, because you're like... I mean, we've seen a lot, and to be able to just, like, kind of set them at ease in the interview process and tell them, like, I've seen this, you know, like, it's going to be fine, and you know I've seen it, and you believe me, I'm not just, like, trying to be like, yes, and this is what I do, like, (laughs) you know. It's, yeah, the vibe has totally changed for me. I also get hired a lot more. Yeah, also that. These days, and I don't know what it is, if, like, maybe I'm also being more selective about who I even agree to interview with. Yeah. Sometimes I could tell right off the bat from an email, like, I probably won't vibe with this person, Mm -hmm. or if they tell me, you know, where they're birthing or their birthing preferences or, like, just feeling their personality, sometimes we never even get to the interview stage. Yeah. And I'm at a point now where I really feel like I'm, working with the people that I'm meant to be working with. Mm -hmm. And there still are interviews where I go and I don't get hired, but I'm so much less disappointed about those now. And I'm more like, wow, I totally was not meant to be at that person's birth. I'm like, that's totally okay. Yeah. And there's other doulas that are much better suited. I totally agree. It's less personal now. Like I, yeah, I think that's like age confidence experience, but yeah, definitely like don't feel like, oh, I'm the worst, or, like, no one's ever gonna hire me, and I can't be a doula. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, so much negative self-talk about it, but now, yeah, I agree. It all just kind of, like, yeah, folds into each other. Totally, and it's such a wild experience being on this path of being a doula. Um, I feel like you learn so much just about who you are as a person. Um, Like, starting to go to these births, when you know, negative or undesired things would happen, me as the doula, I would somehow, like, take that on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my client's having a shitty experience, and somehow that's my fault, and I'm responsible, and if I was a better doula, maybe that wouldn't happen. Yeah. I used to, like, go through that all the time, and then come off births, you know, a birth that would maybe end in an unplanned C-section. I would bring that home with me and feel responsible yeah. and get upset. And now um, I'm... You know, I'm not 100%. Mm-hmm. I still take on other people's stuff. It, like, 
it's hard not to, but... Yeah, that's part of the, the role and, like, the people that yeah. that role takes on. Yeah. Totally. But I'm, I feel like I'm getting better at establishing my boundaries and also realizing that, no, I am not the reason for yeah. their C-section. Yeah. <laughs> like, they probably would have had it anyway, and, like, they're lucky that they had someone to support them through these difficult choices. Yes. Um, so I look at myself more as, like an asset than uh, someone who will make or break their experience yeah because I'm not that powerful (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly I mean I remember uh I think it was my first induction well in yeah I don't know like the impact you have on people is so it's so hard to know like how you are impacting people and you can just kind of like project onto it I remember the first induction I went to I didn't really connect with these people as it was um but then yeah sitting there for like 55 hours and losing my mind and just being like hungry and tired and I want to go home and I hate this so much why am I a doula but like texting Michelle for advice and she and and also like saying I felt like so useless because she'd had a epidural and we're just like sitting there watching her there's like nothing you can do after day two of just like waiting until pushing happens and Michelle was like texting me back saying that it's those people that you feel like you did nothing for but sleep that think you just like shit gold and it's so true that they're just like (laughs) just so grateful that there is something or somebody there who is constant through the whole thing and like saw the whole experience whether you really did much or not but just kind of like validate that it happened and yeah someone to be there and witness and I've had similar experiences where I'd be at long births or inductions, medicated ones where they're not needing me every contraction. They're not feeling their contractions and I feel useless. Yeah. And so you're I, not like, I want to do my doula tricks. Exactly. <laughs> but I remember um, texting Michelle once being like, I feel this way. And she said something to me like, you know, just hold the space, just you being there connected to your own breath, really in your body and present is a gift to them yeah and I was like wow that's right like you know I don't have to be just like aimlessly on my phone right now I could really just like be present in this experience it's like a meditation and that taught me a lot yeah and that she said that to me probably one of my first you know within my first five ten births and I still integrate that advice all the time like how can I be more present here like let me even if it's like a boring birth boring in this moment let me bring myself back to the present and just yeah. be here yeah. and people feel it more than you realize they really do yeah same with yoga teaching like my students know when I'm present and when I'm not definitely and I, I get way different feedback when I'm more present yeah and it's just like it's advice for your whole life like how present can That's you be such profound advice honestly and like there's no I feel like there's no better work besides birth work to help you understand how to be more present. Totally. Nothing's more real yeah. than birth and death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, like, these are, like, the basics yeah. of life. And so, to me, it's, like, this work is humbling because it's not anything uh, glamorous. Birth work really isn't glamorous. It's so not glamorous, yeah. It's gritty yeah. and, you know, gross at times like body fluids yeah it's super real but I think it's like the core of living birth and death yeah you know it's what drives us to really make all the decisions we make knowing that you know 
we are eventually going to die and like bringing in new life these are basic human things yeah totally um so to bear witness i think has helped me become more present yeah in my whole life yeah yeah oh yeah totally i yeah i think about that all the time and it's interesting like the the glamorous thing when i i, I think like the social media aspect of birth work and like how you have to have a social media pre- presence kind of for everything really like yeah. at this point but like the wellness industry and in social media and how there's like the cool girl doulas and that that's like such a brand and I don't know it's it's interesting that that's a part of things yeah and it is not glamorous but like it's also great to make it seem glamorous and to like make natural birth especially seem more like something to strive for in that way but hmm it's kind of weird I think it's positive because from what I understand you know I feel like my view is biased because of the people I'm surrounded by which is like other doulas and like holistic people but most of the people in our country who are just having babies I think they assume that you get an epidural. They do, yeah. Like, the same way when you go to the dentist and get, like, a procedure done, you assume they're going to numb your mouth. It's not, like, a thing to do it unmedicated. Right. So I think people... That's a good analogy, actually. Yeah, yeah that's really true. People <laughs> feel that way about birth. They also go in, you know, they might take a childbirth education class, but they also go in just kind of assuming that the hospital's taking care of it, that they know what they're doing, and that they don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And um, often so true. it's true. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the stats, especially if you're a woman of color, it's not the smartest approach. Yeah. You know, it's not. because like our maternal mortality rate and our infant mortality rate is awful. Yeah. It really is. Like, it's still low enough. It's not, like, 50% of women are dying, but, like... But it's way higher than it needs to be. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, like, even 1% of women dying, that's a large amount of women. Yeah. It's, like, a really large amount, and then women of color, it's, like, it's really dangerous, you know? It's a really risky I need to know those rates, but... In New York City, women of color are 12 times more likely to die than a white woman and it's not based on economic factors uh the best example is serena williams Mm -hmm. did you read this story she just gave birth she had a c-section i did not read this actually so she had a c-section um for medical reasons i don't know the exact reason why yeah um she has some sort of like history of blood clotting in her legs so this is something that she's like familiar with and Mm -hmm. she knows the signs and symptoms of And, um, so after her C-section, she was, I guess, feeling some of these symptoms in her legs and she brought it to the attention of the nurses and the doctors like, Hey, like, I think I need like, I don't know what it was like either this medication or I need this examined. I need, I'm experiencing this pain. And even she got brushed off and she had to repeat herself over and over again for them to be like, Oh shit. Like, yes, you do need this. That's crazy. And this is fucking Serena Williams with like probably millions millions of dollars and she's a woman of color yeah um so it doesn't matter about money or education even like a college educated master's level woman of color is more likely to die than a not even high school educated white woman yeah so in New York City it's 12 times more likely and 
in I think the whole country it's three to four times they're more likely to die in childbirth and um just their pain and their symptoms not believed um yeah and I had an experience here in New York um that really stuck with me uh it was a white woman and her mother-in-law happened to have like a um a, a place in the hospital she was birthing at. She was high up in administration. Mm-hmm. So that's why she chose to birth at this hospital. You were my partner on this birth. <laughs> but um, Oh, I think I... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I attended it. And um, I don't want to give away any, like, too revealing details on a podcast. But, um... <laughs> so, this woman chose to birth there because her mother-in-law had a place there. And, uh, basically, I attended the birth. It was an induction, unmedicated, which was very cool to see and rare, um, no pain medication. And it was a beautiful birth. Mm -hmm. I was there through the whole thing. Everything was great. She was, like, beaming, happy. And I'm like, you're amazing. Great job. We got you to latch. I'm going to go. You know, my my role is over. She's like, okay, thank you. Oh, I'm so happy. Thanks. And then I leave. And it must have been within minutes after I left that she starts feeling immense pain. And she's like, something's wrong to the nurses. She recounted this to me later. She's like, something's wrong. I'm in a lot of pain. The nurse like, oh, no, it's just your uterus clamping down. It's normal to feel cramping. Mm-hmm. And she's like, listen, I just had an unmedicated induction. I know what it feels like to have those cramps. This is beyond. This is way beyond. I'm in a lot of pain. And they're like, mm, okay, um, well, why don't we give you some time? Like, they were just brushing yeah. her off, brushing her off. And then finally she called her mother-in-law, who, like, is in administration at this hospital. She's yeah. like, I need help and then her mother must have put in a you know word her mother-in-law and she was able to get morphine the pain was that bad she gets morphine it doesn't take away the pain so they're like okay if morphine's not taking it away there must be something deeply wrong oh my god and to also have to like go through that in order to convince somebody that you're in pain and she just had a baby you know yeah so fine they have to take her into the or her to see what's going on her poor husband's out there with the brand new baby like what the fuck like what's going on he was terrified and um turns out she had like some sort of cyst situation that burst inside of her oh my god and like she was probably minutes away from that being a really bad outcome yeah and the only reason why she got that quick medical attention is because her mother-in-law was on the staff and hate to say it but she's a white woman. Yeah. Wealthy white woman, too. Yeah. And it, I remember hearing that story, and it really uh, made me emotional. And I had to, like, really process that because I was like, wow, if her mother-in-law wasn't there. That's so crazy. Or if she was a woman of color, she'd probably be dead. Yeah, 100%. And like, yeah, and that was a lot for me to process because, you know, being in this field, I'm aware that inevitably... I'm probably going to experience loss, mm-hmm. a client either dying or losing their baby at some point. I yeah. think it's inevitable. And I'm not scared of it because I know it's a part of life, but, you know, I, I of course, like, I dread it. 
I drink I'm terrified of it. That's been like the biggest reason why I've taken so long to do midwifery or to like start that process. Because then like feel like you're responsible for yeah, it. Yeah, and I just don't know. I really don't know how I'd handle that that situation. And it's like yeah. not about you, obviously, but like I don't know. Of course, know. you're going like, to be what sort of Yeah, what sort of process do you go through trying to like figure out how to grieve that and like overcome it and still feel good about your work you know (laughs) yeah it's really tough aspect of the work which but to me makes it even more fulfilling um to have such high stakes yeah for me definitely I love it and you know doulas are shown to help decrease the chance of dying in childbirth and decrease all the risk factors that contribute to dying or postpartum depression or illness or all of that and so for me to be helping those stats is extremely rewarding and you have to see it yeah like that yeah um but that experience really shook me up and just made me feel even more passionate about needing to help protect more vulnerable women like women of color or women birthing in hospitals that where these things kind of happen yeah helping women be heard more by the hospital staff and respected right it's really important yeah it it's so important oh yeah that story is so crazy yeah yeah and then I mean then it brings into question because like of course I, I, I think, like, doulas are seen as, like, a rich white woman's commodity, you know? Um, especially these days. Or maybe not especially these days, but I feel like that's how it's seen. And that, like, a yeah. lot of the people we do end up working with are people who, like, have really nice apartments and really nice jobs and, like, live a pretty cushy life. And they can afford this. But then, like, what about the all the women who need them? Yeah. Like, how do we do that? And then also, how do we support ourselves? Because I could, like, easily just volunteer for births forever, but I need to have a job. Of course. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, that balance. I'm really still trying to strike it. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, me and you have done a lot of those types of births. We've been in a lot of cool apartments. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, one you. of my favorite things is to see people's apartments. I feel like that's the first thing I say to somebody. I'm like, wow, this is so nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've totally both been there. And I'm still trying to figure it out. One thing I changed in my own practice, so we both work with that agency, which, you know, controls the pricing and accommodating people of all incomes, but... Um, one thing in my own practice is I've changed to a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. And so instead of charging like the highest point on my sliding scale, I dropped it 50%. Um, so I do take some births like at a much lower rate, half of my normal rate. That's awesome. And so what I've been telling people that are interviewing me, I say, this is my rate. It's between this amount and this amount. You pay whatever you feel comfortable. You get the exact same service no matter what you choose to pay um so at first I was saying just that and Mm -hmm. people were choosing on the lower end really and I was like okay this is interesting so then I started adding in just a little bit more I said and just know that by you choosing as much as you can afford you're allowing me to help someone who really needs it that's awesome and then all of a sudden I get tons of people who pay the full amount 
That's great. And a lot of people who pay just slightly under the full amount. And then occasionally someone takes that lowest amount, like, oh, I'm so glad you offer this. So to me, that feels good. Yeah. But I'm also aware that my even my lowest amount that I offer be out of people's price is, range for sure. It would be like almost out of my own price range. Yeah, yeah. It would be I a mean, big well, investment that's the thing for me. I think about too is like I can't really imagine. I mean, I'm so cheap as it is in life. Like I'm so <laughs> nervous about money, but like I I feel like shelling out fifteen hundred dollars for a doula is like. I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's, it's like, a what big if amount. the baby needs it? You know, like, it, that's a lot to, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I'm trying to balance that. I have a friend who's a doula who said that for every paying client she gets, she takes one for free. And in theory, that's nice. I, I think that would lead to burnout and being broke pretty fast. And that's the other thing, too, is, like, the burnout aspect is that, like, a lot of this burns you out. And so... Yeah, you know, the compensation is a part of that. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. Um, I mean, I think what can eventually work, like in the long term, is if these births were funded, some sort of nonprofit situation or like mm-hmm. the hospital itself mm-hmm. or something where doulas are getting paid. Maybe not like as much as we're used to with yeah. these really high fees, but we're getting paid like at least a living wage, and you know, it's not coming out of the client's pocket. Yeah. It's coming out of, like, a bigger organization's pocket. And there are organizations like this, like Ancient Song, like the Doula Project. Yeah. Which I feel like do subsidize cost of doulas for people that need it. They do, yeah. There's, I think there's definitely more of a push for it. But then those those things are still, like, pretty specific. Where, like, it's so amazing that they're there, obviously. But it yeah. would be, I feel like... The best direction for this to go in is if just like every hospital had doulas who like worked shifts yeah which is really hard and also like it's not perfect obviously there's, yeah there's flaws to each system <laughs> I actually really am a fan of the doula only working for the client not yeah. the hospital and I've seen this because there are hospitals across the country that do have doulas and really? I yeah, there are definitely some. Okay. Like, probably not many in New York City. I yeah. think, like, one hospital in Connecticut has doulas on shift. Okay. Um, I've heard about that, but... There's, like, the birthing... The Brooklyn Birthing Center has... Um, I've been trying to get in with them, too, but they do, like, birth assistance. Yeah, which is similar, but yeah, not the but same. Yeah, but not quite, yeah. But the thing with a doula working for the hospital is then, you know, if you're a doula on a shift, you could have a doctor or a nurse come up to you as your, like, co-worker or maybe even yeah, your higher-up and say, hey, I want you to convince this client to get an epidural or to uh, consent to the C-section because of this and this and this. And then, like, you're in an awkward place That's where true. you have to then go against your employer to support the client or, you know, it's it's yeah. biased. Yeah, I haven't actually thought about that. That's very true. I mean, there's so many Yeah, factors. there's so many things. I mostly have thought about, like, the issue of not really getting to know somebody. There's that too. Where that thing yeah. is, that's so nice. I really like that aspect of this work. I love it too, but actually studies have shown that even if it's a stranger supporting your birth, you still get the benefit. Yeah, even if it's, like, somebody who just sits in a room and, and writes down everything, there's been, like, a study about that. I remember yeah. the midwife I did my doula training with talking about that, that, like, you could do nothing, like, not say even a word. Knit just the sit there and write, and th- 
feel you'll have like uh, just as much benefits totally which is really fascinating it's really interesting just like an extra person in the room yeah it's like witnessing and i think the witnessing the, the holding space that we're talking about like totally yeah it's, so who knows maybe the benefits of having hospital doulas would outweigh you know the negative things that could come up because yeah. in the end like lots of women are dying right so like what can we do kind of fast to fix that problem yeah no first of all maybe we should all stop being so racist that's a huge <laughs> one it's racism and that's the hospitals need to stop being so racist and like yeah set up in in that format i was thinking about this like a, a few minutes ago but the first birth i went to um in new york was up in the bronx at the allen pavilion and my client had she'd had care that was like i think free care through the pavilion they have um like a clinic that does it and was treated terribly and um ended up switching her provider like super late in the game um and wasn't through the clinic but still gave birth there but they at the hospital they didn't have water they only had soda and juice it was insane and but like otherwise the hospital was really nice the nurses were amazing they were like better than doulas they were at least the ones that I interacted with when I was there they were incredible the doctors were so terrible and talked down to her in like the more condescending way than I've seen at any other birth and but just that that like not having water and like you know we can talk about like the food systems and poverty and all that but it's it's so fucked up sometimes really small changes would make a big difference yeah you know and like these are easy fixes right but I think sometimes it's bureaucratic so it's stuck in time yeah it really takes a long time to catch up I attended a birth not too long ago at Brooklyn Hospital for the first time which if you ask um most doulas in New York they will say away from that place yeah yeah i've heard this and <laughs> the one thing and like people have reported nurses saying this before at this hospital and i witnessed it um this nurse thought that if your water's broken you cannot stand up or your baby will fall out of you what so my client want with her broken water wanted to walk from like, well, triage to her room we solved the whole problem of labor <laughs> just break the water <laughs> That is insane. I've never heard that. So she she wanted to walk from triage (laughs) to her room, which is, you know, less than 50 meters. And the nurse was like, oh my God, like she she needs a wheelchair. She cannot walk. That baby's going to fall right out. My jaw was on the floor. And like, it's awkward because this is someone who's like kind of in more of a position of authority. Who am I to say you're wrong? Yeah. I mean, like I wanted to. I look at my client like, oh my God. And my client knew exactly what she was saying was ridiculous. I mean, we just looked at each other like, okay, we'll take the wheelchair. But, like, it's bullshit. Like, that's so insane. <laughs> you know, come yeah. on. And, like, you need to be more educated. Yeah. Like, really, that's crazy. Really, that's You're a nurse. So crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I've been thinking about this now, like, trying to do nursing school. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of our conversations, like, on the Metro Doula group are just, like, as doulas are about, like, all these nurses and doctors that get in the way and don't really know anything and I like want to change that because I feel like obviously there's so many great care providers but then sometimes I'm in class with people and these are future nurses and it's so shocking to me yeah. like I don't know I don't that's not something we can fix but it, like it's crazy yeah and actually what's fascinating to me too is 
in a lot of jobs, it's like the more experienced you are, the more years under your belt, like maybe the better you are. Yeah. But with doctors and nurses, I find the opposite. Yeah, you want someone a little younger because they tend to be more progressive, and we've changed so much Mm -hmm. um, with what we know to be true in birth. So if you get that doctor that's been prefacing since the seventies, or that nurse who's been working at that same hospital since the seventies or eighties, like. And they're more comfortable physiotomies and you know staying in bed the whole time and yeah all these outdated practices no delayed cord clamping yeah you know because right. like that's a new thing um and i've seen this i've seen nurses tell my clients oh no delayed cord clamping is dangerous I'm, i have heard this as well but i'm not sure like what their reasoning is for it i think there's think like dangerous i think there's been a study or two that's shown like some jaundice or something when you do delayed when you do delayed cord clamping for like over when you let it stay there for over like five or ten minutes or something I feel like that's just like anecdotal though you know because it doesn't seem like that could possibly be the case yeah or maybe the risk is like so low like under one percent like maybe it's happened to a few people and jaundice isn't even like that huge of a thing like a lot of babies get jaundice so I have no idea actually I would need to do further research on that I know there's been like a couple of random studies against it but like they're not nearly sufficient enough to outweigh the benefit and then meanwhile like ACOG is saying that you should do delayed cord clamping yeah I'd listen to them on that. So for a nurse, but it's hard because when you have a nurse or a doctor in front of you and you're in a hospital gown and you're the patient and you just want to have a safe delivery, when a doctor or nurse is telling you these things, guess what? Like you're going to believe them. Yeah. No matter what they're saying, no matter how much research you've done. Yeah. So having a doula is helpful to like kind of remind you about, you know, research. Right. Yeah. And like filter through the stuff that's useful and the stuff that's not... Yeah, but in the end, I think we're actually really valuable prenatally to help people not birth with these types of providers. Like, we need to not feed the system. Like, if there's going to be doctors and nurses that are refusing to educate themselves, like, we need to just simply start only using providers that are open to educating themselves. Yeah, yeah. So let's start supporting, like, that doctor at NYU who I said was, like, a midwife in disguise, like... I would send my clients to him yeah. or to other providers that I've seen do the right thing. I would never refer a client to these people to Brooklyn Hospital, you know, where yeah. they think standing up means that your baby's going to come out of you. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as consumers, we have the power to shift the system. And it might be slow, but it's, it's effective. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, and I think it's important. And I think we have to remember that as birthing people, we are consumers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we think we're so reliant on the hospital, which, like, you know, you probably, you're reliant, you need a provider, but there's lots of options, and just because you were going to this gynecologist for the past 10 years, a lot of women assume that that has to be the person that delivers their baby. So many women do that, and that's, like, one of my best examples for somebody who ended up getting an episiotomy, the only person I've ever had that's gotten that, who's just, like, had the same OB for their whole reproductive health life yeah and like I remember them bringing up in our prenatal visit about the fact that the episiotomy was a conversation that they had and it wasn't off the table and I was like okay how do you feel about that like that's not something that people really do anymore or should do and her partner was like yeah I think this is crazy and he was like all about 
you know, going against the episiotomy thing. And she was like, well, I don't know. He's been doing this since the 60s or 70s. So, like, if, it, you know, he's right, like, he's wow. he's been doing it. So I'm going to trust him. Wow. And she ended up with one. Yeah, and she ended up with one. Yeah. And then here's what happens in those situations. That's, like, a huge thing to heal from. Yeah. And then these women, like, heal slowly and suffer kind of in silence because then postpartum you know you're expected to just be so thrilled about your baby and not complain yeah about your birth experience but the stats high like lots of women are experiencing birth trauma and it's just been stuffed down because we're, we're not expected and to for talk years about and it. years without getting anything fixed like I've been reading a lot about um like pelvic floor therapy and you know the the amount of diastasis that people are having for like 15 years and just never say anything about it yeah. just like I guess I'm just supposed to be in constant pain all the time or like yeah always will pee now when I laugh and that's just like what I've been told is what happens so my yeah. body's destroyed now yeah and they don't know it doesn't need to out. be that yeah. way yeah yeah my mom says that too she had two kids and she's like yeah like it's never the same like I'm always going to like pee a little bit when I laugh yeah. or whatever and then I for a minute I like believed her and then I'm like wait no like actually that's not true like in France like every woman gets pelvic floor therapy it's like included with insurance after their so birth it should be you know so yeah. it's like you just have to be educated yeah and it can... it's hard with that too though and because I feel like you don't really know what you need to be educated on unless yes. you've been exposed to like to these things you know I guess that's where a doula comes in and that kind of brings it back to like every woman should be entitled to a doula to someone that can make her aware yeah these things yeah it's like yeah it's our right I agree yeah so I think it's really important that our society moves more towards you know accessible and affordable support because mm-hmm. so many people give birth like so many babies are born every day this is a huge life event this doesn't yeah. affect a small amount of the population yeah yeah it's a it could or could be a huge industry <coughs> if you think about it like that honestly yeah um what else was I going to ask you um oh I did want to ask like what when you're talking about uh, people that you feel connected to when you first like it, I don't know email or whatever manifesting like clients that you connect with how do you feel you do that I think as I've starting like as I've started to understand what my strengths are as a doula mm-hmm. and what my strengths are not and what my weaknesses are um I feel like I'm able to portray myself whether it's like as a web presence or just when I meet people um a certain way so I'm only attracting what vibrates with me Mm um you know I'm pretty confident in these days in how I communicate and like what I do and what I don't do and Mm -hmm. I don't try to mislead people into thinking I do more than I actually do and I think that has helped me manifest people that um, understand and want what I have yeah to offer um I'm not trying to be something that I'm not yeah which I think when you first start out in any career you kind of want to be 
more than you are Definitely. just to like prove yourself yeah yeah um so I think having this energy of not trying to prove myself or be more than what I am has helped me um honesty just being like really transparent and honest people yeah. are attracted to that and um also connecting with other doulas is the biggest thing for me in getting clients that resonate with me yeah because often now I find clients by being referred um, either by other doulas or past clients and so when you reach that point it's like the other doula knows me yeah usually yeah. or they know about me so you're like vetted exactly yeah. and they yeah. wouldn't refer a client to me that they don't think would resonate and then same with past clients like I kind of trust that if I vibe with them, I'm usually going to vibe with their friends. Not always. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <Yep. laughs> you laugh because you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a tricky client. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how do you, I mean, having, yeah, having tricky people. How would you handle those things now? Um, you know, that one difficult client that we're laughing about now, um, I feel like that was still early-ish on. Yeah, yeah. It was a while ago. It was probably like my 15th birth, give or take. Um, so still pretty new. And that was like devastating <laughs> when I got some negative feedback yeah. from her afterwards and to like be in that situation, which was like, you know, me and her husband were not vibing and that was a really tough spot um I think now I would be less likely to be in that situation um yeah I feel like it just probably wouldn't happen because you know what I feel like it was maybe the prenatals weren't clear enough maybe I didn't come out of those prenatal visits with a clear enough understanding of like what it is she really wanted he really wanted and like their vibe I think I was confused or probably still projecting my own stuff onto their birth. And I feel like They were also friends of past clients that I think that we both kind of just assumed were the same in a way. Exactly. Yeah, they were even neighbors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, um, exactly. So I think there was some sort of, like, projection there and expectation and, um... I've also never had experience with, like, a client's husband being, like, straight up like rude and mean to me to my face yeah so that was jarring and maybe second time around if it were to happen again I'd be more prepared and I think I'm actually now in a place where I would take things less personally yeah so no wait like these people are under you know stressful situation like they're having a baby like they're sometimes going through scary medical issues surrounding their birth like it's not personal right like they're stressed and like it's easy to take it out on a doula and you know, I can't can't take take it out on the doctor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or else you'd be scared. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like an easy scapegoat there. And, um, you know, I think going forward, I would just, if that were to happen again, um, letting it roll off me. Yeah. Which is so hard. It's hard, but I think with experience, you get better and better at it and you avoid those situations. Yeah. Like if I were to meet clients similar to them again, I'd probably like not accept them as my clients and I think back then I would never turn down a client yeah it was just like anything I just need to like get my numbers up and like need to go to more births and yeah and now um I definitely don't feel that way yeah um I would be so happy to like refer 
somebody out to a different doula or just if they saw running I got booked up yeah um yeah so that's definitely a hard situation not every person is going to be for you and not every birth is going to be magical um that's true it just you know the good ones outweigh the bad um you're gonna walk away with some really shitty experiences you're gonna feel exhausted and depleted and not satisfied Mm -hmm. with some birth experiences but then others are just so immensely gratifying and you feel like you're like you were really valuable and that's an irreplaceable feeling yeah and it reminds me why I do the work in the first place those are the best ones that's uh, like this summer we had that really crazy few weeks I think in August or something and I went to like five births in one week and was working like two jobs because I'm insane but (laughs) (laughs) it was just so stressful and I was like I'm gonna quit I hate this so much and then I had one at the end that was like Oh, this is why I do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you always get brought back. Yeah, always. Yeah. But, yeah, me and you were doing that for a while, just going to so many. We were really taking on a little more than we could chew. Totally. We were both newer doulas. And I think we both learned a lot from that experience. Yeah. Um, both, like, how to be better doulas and how to only take what you can manage. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's rem- still like tricky. It's not tricky, <laughs> but it reminds me that the partnership model is, um, or just having reliable backup and a good partner is, um, really imperative to doing this work. You really can't do it alone. Um, being a birth worker can be isolating. Yeah. Um, and having you as my partner and just enough, like the whole doula community is like the only thing that sustains me through it because it's like emotionally draining work and so you know we actually just had um a meeting with our doula agency and you weren't there Kaylee but um we were you had an exam but we were (laughs) (laughs) we were talking a lot about um you know having the benefit of a doula to like physically back you up if like you know you're sick or you can't make it but almost equally as important having that other doula to process the experience with yeah to doula each other to doula each other like so important that's been like the best thing about us working together I think yeah because when I had that bad birth and that bad feedback you were really the only one I could call who actually met these people yeah and under can understand like the nuances of it and I, I was talking to other doulas at this meeting about you and how we've just established this like really good rapport where it's just you're the easiest person for me to work with mm-hmm. because of how we've worked together so much. And someone said, like, yeah, it's because you guys kind of established, like, a shorthand. She's, like, a chef in a kitchen. And she's like, yeah, it's the same in the kitchen. Like, when you work with someone long enough, like, it's you just look at so them. It's actually so true, yeah. You can just, you're like, all right, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, that kitchen analogy is really, <laughs> having worked in so many restaurants, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like, way. we don't have to explain stuff to each yeah. other as much. Um, you're, like, holding the weight of everything together and just, like, managing it. Yeah, and, like, these are deep emotional things that we're both witnessing together. So it becomes a really strong bond and um, really valuable. Yeah. Just, like, for life to have someone, mm-hmm. like, to be able to talk about these things with um, and to witness it together. Yeah. But then also in the work, too. Like, it's crucial to have that support or else you will burn out. Totally. If you're all by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes into, I was going to ask you about self-care for, like, doula self-care. Um, I feel like we tell people, our clients, all about 
what they can do, but like, what do you do? What's part of your self-care system? So it's like a work in progress, like perfecting my self-care game. But I typically always get some sort of body work after a birth Mm -hmm. because often I'm like sleeping in chairs and I am in funky positions the chair sleeping. The chair sleeping. <laughs> you know it so well. I'm gonna have to. I'm like been thinking about bringing sleeping bags or something, or like a mat. You a have a mat. mat. Yeah. Yeah. There's things you could start to do, but um, in the end, I'm lazy and I yeah. just sleep in the chair. <laughs> and so I usually get acupuncture. Sometimes I get like a massage, something to just kind of like reset yeah. from the experience. Um, so I often will like order in food or like just do something to make my life easier mm-hmm. um like indulge in something uh not that's bad for my body but just like let someone else make the food for me instead of yeah, having yeah. to like cook it myself um and then with food and nutrition I've been really um trying I've been getting a good grip on how to manage these long births because I find that so hard it's really hard you burn out you get exhausted I'm someone who's been prone to migraines my whole life and so being at long births and losing sleep really exacerbates it for me and often I just like expect a migraine at the end of a long birth Mm -hmm. and they're brutal and it's especially brutal if the birth isn't ending (laughs) if I get the migraine and then I'm there and I'm screwed yeah so things I've realized that are important for me It's actually, like, avoiding sugar and even most carbs, like, before a birth, during a birth. Um, So, like, pizza or a sandwich isn't really a good choice for me. Like, it's really good for me to, like, make my own food and eat, like, lots of, like, nutrient-dense foods, like, Mm -hmm. organic and, like, protein and vegetables. Yeah. Um, It actually sustains my energy a lot more. And also to not go so hard on the caffeine. Um, it's I found that to be, yeah. Yeah. Like you can't you can't do the caffeine because you crash. Much, right. That and the sugar. Um, I'm tempted to eat like cookies and stuff during someone's labor, but you crash so much faster. If I just um drink, a ton of water, mm-hmm. um, and eat mostly just like protein and vegetables, I could sustain. I could actually lose the night of sleep and be okay. When I start to eat sugar and carbs and caffeine I'm screwed yeah um yeah the caffeine really gets me and I've always been like so quick to just drink buckets of coffee totally but then by the time I've that's what I've realized is like it's when someone's pushing when I'm like getting that relief that I'll be free soon but then also like being hungry that starts coming up and being so tired and the caffeine just like makes you feel like you're gonna faint yep it's the worst feeling yeah especially if you've lost a bunch of sleep um so I'm trying to not be reliant on those stimulants and then one thing I learned from, I went to a long birth. I came home, had like three hours and got called to another birth. And I was like, so exhausted. And I'm like, shit, I need to figure out how to get through this next birth. And I, I intuitively made like a big jar of like water, turmeric, apple cider vinegar, lemon, mm-hmm. instead of coffee. And I drank that the whole birth. And like, it was the only thing that That's a good kept idea. me going. Yeah. yeah, just like really like, power nutrient dense stuff yeah um it's really helpful and so to stay on top of your physical health as a doula like nutrition wise is really important herbs like so herbal infusions Mm -hmm. tinctures are all really important for me yeah i agree 
Um, what do you do, like, so I know there's a lot of doulas I see on this. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, well, thank you so much for telling me everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was really good to (laughs) talk about some of these things, and I feel like we got into so many topics that deserve like three-hour podcasts yeah, totally. in themselves between I... like injustices in birth and self-care for birth workers and birth worker partnerships and it's a really juicy field so I'm yeah. really glad that you're starting this podcast Me and talking to people <laughs> really important information thank you so thanks Kaylee.